0: Hey, listeners, in this pilot episode, we will be traveling with our host, Aaron, who will be taking us to the home of the Renaissance, Florence, Italy, where artists, scientists, authors, sculptors, and other great minds came together to shape the culture of the modern world.
1: Start planning today and take that trip you've always wanted to. Every adventure gives you the opportunity to experience something new. Traveling will pay tenfold what you pay to actually do it. This is Inspire Beyond Borders, and we're here to help you see the world.
0: In our first segment, Aaron will tell us about how he came up with the idea for Inspire Beyond Borders. And give us some insights on his planning, booking, and scheduling for Florence. Welcome in to all of our aspiring travelers. We are excited to bring you the very first episode of Inspire Beyond Borders. As you may have heard in our trailer, I'm James, and my co host and creator of the podcast is my best friend, Aaron. Aaron, how are you? And why don't you tell us a little about your vision for this podcast and how you came to that vision?
1: James, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm well, you know,
0: COVID craziness.
1: I know, and we're all stuck inside. But we got some ideas to fade away that Stockholm Syndrome, and we'll share those ideas at the end here. This podcast idea came to me because I love different cultures, different places to go and see, inspiring basically myself to go and travel and try to inspire you to travel more and inspire everyone who listens to this to travel more, and... As I was listening to other podcasts, it always occurred to me that it was professional travelers and you're taking advice from someone who is traveling, which is obviously good because they know what's going on, but never someone who has to work every day and can only get certain days off and might only have a certain budget to do these things. The idea is to bring on people who are your everyday workers like we are, nine-to-five job or eight-to-four job, and hear their stories about their travels and share their experiences with the world.
0: Like you said, a lot of these travelers and these traveling podcasts, they're professional travelers in that they get paid to travel and don't have to pay to travel. So we kind of wanted to avoid that and create a new little niche of people who Don't have that experience and have to pay to travel, and will only have you know a week or two vacation throughout the year. Starting at the beginning, the first thing you got to do for a trip is plan. Everyone has their own planning style. Can you describe how you go about planning in general for a trip?
1: I'm a very down to the minute type of planner, and what I mean by that is I'll get an Excel sheet out, you know, I've decided where I'm going, let's say Florence. I'll research all the sites I want to see there. Once I've researched all the sites I want to see there, then I will begin to put them in order of how badly I want to see them, where I rank them and what I want to see the most compared to what doesn't really interest me. But if I have time, then I'll put it on my schedule. Once I get all that information, I start looking at what days and times these sites are open, what times tours are offered, and that is how I start building my itinerary of going to see what I want to see wherever I'm traveling.
0: And if that's not you, keep listening because in future episodes, we'll have discussions with people who travel differently. Somebody who just buys a ticket, goes, and when they get there, they'll figure it out. Or someone like myself who... Likes a little bit of structure, but also a little bit of looseness. And we'll talk about that in my trip to Iceland in a future episode. So keep listening because not every single traveler in this podcast is going to be like Aaron planning down to the minute. Today, we'll talk Florence. Your trip was unique. You went to a lot of different cities in a lot of different countries because you wanted to make the most of that flight over to Europe. And your major destination was Florence for a wedding for a buddy of ours, correct? That is correct how many days did you spend in Florence? Two days
1: total. And we flew into Rome and made our way to Florence via the train.
0: Your trip was unique in that it was a 17 day long trip and you were visiting eight different cities in five different countries. Did that change your planning process?
1: It was one of the most time consuming processes I've ever had to do. This is the second major trip i've ever taken regarding multiple stops i mapped out where i wanted to start in what city so florence and then worked my way around italy then up to switzerland france london and finished in ireland i tried to make it as smooth as possible of a transition of moving from each city and each country so that being said i had to time out each city based off of what i wanted to see And then also make sure I could get to Dublin to catch my plane to get home. Everything is down to details
0: and research. One more question regarding the planning of an intense trip like that with multiple destinations. Your first one was within the United States. Would you say that it was easier the second time around to plan a multi-destination trip than it was the first time around?
1: I would say it was easier. The hardest part was planning train tickets or bus tickets or plane tickets and making sure that you could leave one city at a certain time and get to that other city by the time you want to get there. Like I said, for me, you plan by the minute, give or take, and... You need to make sure that if I want to train at 12 o'clock, I can't be taking a tour up until 1145. It's not going to happen because I need that time to get from whatever tour is ending to the train station. And so if I miss that train, I've already paid for it. Then I've lost out on that money. And these are things you have to take into consideration. So the hardest part was definitely trying to find ways to maneuver about those countries to the different cities. And making sure I stayed on the schedule of what I had already
0: pre-planned. Can you speak a little more to your planning in Florence in particular? Not necessarily detail about each spot, but what were the major spots you wanted to make sure that you saw in Florence?
1: When I started researching, I wanted to make sure I saw the Ponte Vecchio, which is a bridge. Old bridge, really, is what it stands for. And... It has a bunch of different shops on it. I wanted to see the Galleria del Academia and the Uffizi. Most importantly to me was Santa Maria del Fiore which is also known as Il Duomo, which takes over the entire skyline of Florence. It is single-handedly the most beautiful cathedral that I have ever seen and probably will ever see in my entire life.
0: Let's talk bookings. One of the things that you did was you rented a car over in Italy. Did you have to have a special license or anything to drive in Italy?
1: My brother and I opted to purchase an international driver's permit just for safety. You don't necessarily need it. But if you do get pulled over, then you most likely want to have it. So we said better off having it than not having it. And all you have to do is Google international driver's permit. It covers a lot of different countries and it's good for a year. What you'll do is you'll submit for it and then you can go pick it up at one of your local, I believe, car rental places is where we got it. We actually didn't need it, but it was fine to have it. I felt more comfortable having it than not having it.
0: Okay, and it didn't require any kind of test?
1: As long as you have your normal driver's license, they just snap a picture of you and you just carry it around like it's a passport.
0: As you know, I have family in Italy. And from what I've heard over the years, driving in Italy is ridiculously crazy. There's a lot of crazy drivers over there. Would you agree with that? Or did you have a different experience while you were there?
1: Traffic there is very free flowing. The biggest thing that is the concern is the mopeds mopeds are everywhere we're not used to that here in the united states so you constantly have to be checking what's going on there and it is a little nauseating i would say overall i felt that it was fine driving in florence rome was a whole different animal that was nothing i wanted to test out but florence can be tricky because it's very well preserved and they don't let you drive in certain areas And you have to avoid driving into these historic areas or you will get a ticket. I might have been the only person in all of Italy who had a minivan. (laughs) I mean, it made sense. We had five other people with me, plus luggage. And we only rented it to get from Florence to the wedding site and then from the wedding site down to Rome. I was picking up the car and then drove around Florence and made my way into the center of the city, which I knew was a bad idea to begin with. And my brother pings me the spot where he needs me to pick him up. I'm like, oh, I can't go down this road. I'm totally going to get a ticket. And I go, oh, whatever. I got to go anyway, because it's my only way to get to him. So I said, I'll just bite the bullet. So I drive in. As I'm picking him up, I'm like, you guys are going to own me because this is definitely ticket material. Pick him up. We leave, and about two months later, sure enough, I get a nice email saying I got a $25 ticket, which I'll keep for life.
0: Do you know how they tracked you, how they figured that out?
1: They have cameras all over the place. So there's a tag that hangs from the car, and if you're a resident, then you can drive in those certain areas.
0: So where did you stay when you were in Florence?
1: We ended up staying in an Airbnb just across the Ponte Vecchio.
0: Okay, so we'll get to the Ponte Vecchio in a second, but I want to talk Airbnb first because we have a lot of listeners, I'm sure, who have heard of Airbnb, but they haven't ever taken the plunge to use one themselves. Would you recommend it, and are there any specific search settings on the app that you might recommend so that people might utilize the app more?
1: I would highly recommend using Airbnb. I think it's a cheaper way to travel. For my example, we rented an entire house just across the Ponte Vecchio, as I said, for 188 US dollars, split by five people. And you can't really get that at a hotel. You get that home-type feeling where you can set your stuff down. You've got your own room. There's a kitchen. You can cook if you want, if you don't feel like going out to get meals. And you always have a place to come back to and relax. A hotel, you can got to be cramped up and you might not have your own space. This is much better. Regarding the app or searching online, I always click entire house. That way I know I've got the entire house and I don't have to worry about someone else being there or the owner being there just so I have peace of mind of being able to come home whenever I'm finally tired and just being able to relax without having to worry about anyone I don't know being there.
0: And I'm sure we'll talk to other travelers along this podcast who have had different experiences with staying in a spare room at somebody's house. I know one of my places in Iceland was like that. So again, we'll share more experiences with you as we progress through this podcast and talk to different travelers who have had different experiences. But overall, thumbs up on Airbnb? Absolutely. It's the only way we travel. Any other major bookings or anything that you made before going to Florence?
1: Any tours that we wanted to do, we booked ahead of time. Once you find out when sites are open and what times you can get there, regarding Galleria dell'Academia or the Uffizi, we ordered from B-Ticket. Most of our other orders came from Viator. We booked and then built our days around those tours, which made it a lot easier.
0: And just for our listeners, that was B as in boy Dash Ticket, and Viator, V-I-A-T-O-R. You scheduled these major things that are holding up your trip and time in Florence. Did you have any other scheduling that you did during this time?
1: Once those major points of interest are picked, and we've got our tour times set, then I start adding in things that we don't want tours of, or things we don't need tours of. Let's say I had the Santa Maria del Fiore booked, which I did, and we did that in the morning. Then I would go and work my afternoon around, let's say some statues I wanted to see, whether it was the Fountain of Neptune or the Palazzo Vecchio, which we didn't want a tour of, but we wanted to see. So that's how we kind of went about it. We hit the major tours and once those tours were in, we started piecing together the other pieces that we could go see or do without booking a tour.
0: In our next segment, Aaron will tell us about his first day in Florence, his attempt to hail a cab, and the city's beautiful piazzas. So we're planned out. You got all your bookings done. You have your rough schedule that you're going to work off of. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about this experience? Can you describe what day one was like?
1: We flew into Rome. We immediately hopped the train from Roma Termini up to Florence SMM. And the train does about 150 miles per hour. It takes about two hours to get there. The thing that shocked me the most was the amount of times that your ears are popping on the train. I wasn't expecting that. I would suggest chewing gum during your train ride. That way you don't have that issue. Once we get to Florence, we have all of our luggage. it's five of us. We decide, we'll just walk to the Airbnb. It's not that far. Plus, the cab lines are long, so we're going to keep moving. We start walking. Bad mistake. <laughs> it was a little further than expected. When you're carrying luggage it, and you know your parents are carrying their luggage and the luggage is heavy because we have a 17-day trip, not ideal. Plus, older roads, a lot of bouncing around on the luggage, and we finally get to the Airbnb. Just after traveling on the plane and then the train, we just want to sit and relax. And immediately, like me, I'm like, I'm here. I don't know when I'll be here again. It's time to go. We'll relax when we sleep at night. My mom and I decided we'll go out. We're supposed to see the Galleria tonight, which is where the David is by Michelangelo. And we'll go find a cab. So we're walking around Florence looking for a cab. We finally see one. I wave to it. The guy just waves back. So I'm like, okay. Well, that's strange. So I see another one pass. I step out into the road. I wave. Guy kind of just moves around, (laughs) waves back. I'm like, okay, this certainly isn't New York City. Lo and behold, what I learned was you cannot hail cabs in Florence. You have to go to a cab station. And that's why the lines were so long at the cab station is because every single cab goes to these stations and picks someone up there. But the lines move very quickly. Because that's where all the cabs go. And so we ended up walking around for 20 to 25 minutes aimlessly looking for a cab. And then ended up finding a cab station, which ended up being at the train station anyway, to take the cab back to the Airbnb to get ready to go to the gallery. So, lesson learned. No hailing cabs. Just grab a cab as soon as you get out of the train station. Yes, the line might be long, but it's going to go quickly. That's where all the cabs are. There's other cab stations in the area, but if you're traveling by train, it's right outside.
0: Two questions. How did you pay for this cab, and was it expensive?
1: Not too expensive, and we paid with our card.
0: Next is the Galleria del Academia.
1: We all hopped in the cab. We started traveling to see the David. Second time I've been to Florence. Didn't see the David the first time. The line was a mile long. We have skipped the line tickets. They said the Galleria closes at 6.30. And Italian times for opening and closing is very lax. So we went to the Galleria. We got there at about 5.45 and it was already closed. 0 for 2 on seeing the David. And we decided to do a U-turn and make the best of our night and go see Il Duomo instead and just view it from the outside and really take it in before it had gotten dark and see what it was like up close and personal and then grab dinner next to it as the light started to fade and see it all lit up. It was beautiful. Just quickly
0: back to the closing at 545, the ticket you had, was it only for that day?
1: It was only for that day, so two tips. If you are a planner, like I am, expect that there may be times where you don't get to something you've bought a ticket for, pre-purchased. That may happen, and that happened to us. The ticket was €16 to get into the Galleria, and we lost out on that. But you take the good with the bad. It just means I have to plan another trip to Florence. And the second tip is... If you can avoid booking on a day of travel, then I would suggest doing that just in case plane gets delayed, trains get delayed, anything can get delayed. And if you were supposed to be in an area at four o'clock for a tour and you planned your train to leave at two and it's going to get there at 315 and it's delayed by an hour, you're going to lose out on that money as well. Save your stuff that you don't need tickets for, for those days that you're traveling, and you can hit whatever you want.
0: What was next in your trip? You saw the Il Duomo and it was all lit up and it was absolutely beautiful. What'd you do next?
1: We had some dinner right outside of Il Duomo. It was beautiful. And we ended up walking around to some of my favorite things about Italy, which are the piazzas. There are communal areas that are surrounded usually by buildings. It's it's a square. It has a bunch of restaurants. It has statues that you can see and... People gather there, and it just feels like home. It's active. There's music going on. There might be a live band. It's really one of the best things about Italy are the piazzas. And so we decided to take a walk to Piazza della Repubblica. And while we were there, there was live music going on. There was actually a guy doing magic tricks. And then there was also a... Merry go round, which kids were riding on. You're talking eight, nine o'clock at night, and people are out and about just enjoying themselves. Once we walked through the Piazza della Repubblica, we ended up making our way down to Piazza della Signoria, and that's where the Palazzo Vecchio is, the Fountain of Neptune, and also a statue of Cosimo de' Medici.
0: Is it like little shops set up?
1: Little shops little restaurants. It is everything you've ever wanted in a city where you can kind of feel like you're transported away from a city. It's just you in the piazza with the people around the ambiance of people talking the music in the background. I've been to nine different countries in Europe now. And always, to me, the piazzas stand out more than anything else regarding bringing people
0: together. It's fantastic. Did you eat at a restaurant in one of these piazzas?
1: Almost every night, yes. We would find a different restaurant to go to for lunch, for breakfast, for dinner, and we would sit down, enjoy our meal, take in the atmosphere, and just really enjoy the Italian life and Italian culture. And I think the piazzas bring out the best in that.
0: How does Italian food compare to what Americans call Italian food.
1: I'm a picky eater. You know that. Most people who know me know that. I had no problem eating over there. For some reason, my dad, who loves Italian food, excluding fish or seafood, was having trouble finding something he liked. And I just looked at him and I said, Dad, you're in the place that gave birth to this Amazing food, and you're just eating pizza the whole time. Can you please try something new? So he finally broke down and ended up getting some type of pasta and finally started opening up and eating some different things. But the food was fantastic. I didn't have a single meal there where I was disappointed. They don't do breakfast like we do. It's usually small donuts or little pastries, which is nice. It keeps it light and airy, but it's not really big sit down.
0: I found similar things in my travels too. How does the night end? What finally made everybody say, okay, it's time to go back to the Airbnb?
1: We saw everything that we wanted to see that day. And it was probably about 1030 at night. We were like, okay, I think we've all kind of hit a wall. It's time to go recover and go to bed. I think it's important that the first day you get to a place where time has changed significantly, that you push yourself to stay up as late as possible so that you can correct your sleep pattern as quickly as possible. And so we decided stay up till 1030, 11 o'clock. We'll go explore the piazzas. And then around 11, we just all looked at each other and we're like, it's time to go back and sleep now. And We'll get a good night's rest after being tired out. And we'll be ready for day two.
0: How was the comfort level in the Airbnb?
1: I loved it. I wanted something that made me feel, okay, I'm in Florence. This is Italy. This is Italian living.
0: In our final segment, we will hear Aaron's visit to the Uffizi and Il Duomo. And we will leave you with some experiences you can start today from home. Day two comes around. First thing that you have noted in your itinerary is luggage storage. What is luggage storage? And is it something you have to use or is it something you recommend using for people?
1: As you know, we were moving around a lot eight different cities, five different countries. Luggage storage was one of my biggest concerns. For day two, we get up and we have to leave the Airbnb by 10 o'clock. We have two tours scheduled and we need to get to those tours. But we also need a place to keep our luggage. We can't keep them at the Airbnb anymore. So I googled on my phone some luggage storage areas. I found one right down the street. All you do is take your luggage to this storage area and you swipe your card, put in a pin, and then a locker opens and put your luggage in. You could probably fit two big bags in a small bag or two big bags in two small bags. So for the five of us, we got three lockers.
0: By bags, do you mean duffel bags or do you mean suitcases?
1: Big suitcases. The locker opens up, you go, you put your stuff in, and then you close it and it locks automatically. You leave it there for as long as you want. And then we did our tours and we came back. We did this very often using luggage storage and we didn't come across a single issue. Basically, just letting yourself walk free throughout cities without towing your luggage around and being worried about where it's going and where it's going to be while you're trying to get stuff done.
0: So your luggage is stored. You've got it all squared away. Everybody's got their hands free to now travel. You get the car at this point?
1: Not yet. We had a time slot reserved for the Uffizi where we could get in, walk around and see all the sculptures and the paintings, which is what we did next. While we were walking to the Uffizi, I had already picked out some of the sculptures or paintings that I had wanted to see, most notably The Birth of Venus by Botticelli and Medusa by Caravaggio. There were some others that as I was walking around, I noticed were there and I was oh wow, I've seen that before. I've seen it in history books or on TV. And there was the Duke and Duchess of Urbino, the portrait of Cosimo de' Medici, the elder, and then of course the portrait of Lorenzo de' Medici The beauty of the Uffizi is that you don't feel lost when you're walking around it. You're moving in and out of different rooms to see different painters and their styles, and moving out into the major hallways to see the sculptures. Honestly, it is amazing being able to see these types of artworks, because you just can't really see them anywhere else.
0: If you had to pick, which one was your favorite?
1: I'm going to say... The Birth of Venus was probably my favorite. Medusa by Caravaggio was a very, very close second. If I had to give a bit of advice for the Uffizi or any tour in that sense, I always booked Skip the Line. And it came up huge because the line getting into the Uffizi is incredibly long. And with Skip the Line, get your own entrance. You have a certain time that you line up. There is a bit of a line, but compared to people who are trying to buy tickets that day, it saves you tons of time. And when you're trying to pack in a lot of stuff that you want to see, then skip the line is the way to go. And in this case, it really saved us a lot of time. We probably would not have been able to get to our next tour if we hadn't skipped the line in that sense.
0: How did this tour work? Did somebody take you around to each of the paintings and sculptures?
1: So that is an option. We decided that we would rather move at our own pace. And we're just going to buy the ticket, reserve a time, skip the line, and then we'll go see the paintings that we want to see. So we walked around all the rooms at our own pace. And we saw the ones that really stood out to us. You can pull up Google on your phone, read about it. That was good enough for me. I didn't want to spend all day in there because you can. You can probably spend three to four or five hours in the Uffizi alone. And that is for someone who truly wants to get deep into the Renaissance and loves art. I wanted to see the major artworks there. And that's what we accomplished.
0: So how long would you say you were in the gallery for?
1: We spent about two hours there. And I felt like I was able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish.
0: From there, you went to your next tour, you said. What was that next tour?
1: Our next tour was Il Duomo or Santa Maria del Fiore, which is the most beautiful cathedral in the world. And what we did was we bought Skip the Line tickets well beforehand. And thankfully, we did. We thought the Uffizi line was long. Nope. The line to get into Santa Maria del Fiore made the Uffizi line look like it was a Skip the Line tour. It was crazy. We found our entrance on the side, which is nice. So you don't go in the main entrance. And we located our guide. They'll hold up like a sign saying what company they're working for, what their name is. And then they'll hand out headphones, which I would suggest bringing your own headphones on tour. And then they speak into a microphone, which is hooked up to your headphones. That way you can hear them. But... Making sure you have comfortable headphones is huge because they give you those little earbuds without the soft pieces to put in your ear and it becomes very uncomfortable very quickly. So whenever you go on a tour, bring your headphones just in case, pack them in a bag, you never know when you're going to need them. We ended up getting in the Duomo relatively quickly, almost right on time, which was nice. And we began our ascent to Brunelleschi's Dome and to the Coppola, which was my goal to get to the top of the Coppola and be able to see Florence from one of its highest points.
0: How much of a climb is that for our listeners?
1: This climb in particular was 463 stairs to the top. When you book the tour, they tell you that it's four hundred and sixty-three stairs because they recommend if you are not in decent shape, you probably should maybe not do the tour, or find an alternative.
0: On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the difficulty of climbing these stairs?
1: Based off of pure physical fitness, I would give it a five. Four hundred and sixty-three stairs is pretty hard, but you know, I wasn't hurting getting to the top. The actual stairs themselves, there are parts where it is extremely steep. They have handrails and stuff that you can grab onto, but there are also parts where it spirals up to the top and you're taking your time. You're with a group of about eight to 10 people. They move at a good pace. They know when to stop, when people probably need to stop, and they'll talk about certain points. They'll give you information based on where you've stopped. So they do a very good job of gauging where and when the group needs to stop and allowing them to recover before moving on.
0: Do you think everything is planned out beforehand or will certain groups stop less than other groups?
1: Certain groups will definitely stop less than other groups. There are specific stops that they want you to see and they'll talk to you about. We did have a woman on our tour who took her time, which was fine. She didn't slow the group down, but there were moments where she was really struggling and I wasn't sure if she was going to make it to the top. She ended up making it to the top, which was great for her. But I could tell that she had maybe some previous injuries or trouble walking. Probably not a situation you want to put yourself in.
0: For you, it was a five. You're a 32-year-old male in good physical fitness. Your parents are approaching 60. How would you rate it for them?
1: I would give a seven for my dad. He could probably feel it, but he was fine. Stops helped him recover. I would say a nine for my mom. It was a struggle for her, but in the end, with the stops built in, she was able to make it up still to this day. I don't know if she'll ever forgive me for taking her up 463 stairs, but I think the view was worth it.
0: So you're at the top. Tell me about the view.
1: It was everything I wanted it to be. This was the main thing I wanted to see in Florence. When I went to Florence, the first time I saw the Duomo from blocks away, And I viewed it from another tower, and it was beautiful, but I never got to go in it. I didn't really get to go near it. This time, I knew I wanted to climb it. It was my main goal. Once I got to the top, I never wanted to come down. You can see the entire city. It is absolutely marvelous. You're way up one of the highest points, if not the highest point in Florence, The guide, while we were up there, he was pointing out the different landmarks. And as you're leaning over and looking down the dome, you get a sense of, wow, this is something else. This is way up here. And a memory I will never forget.
0: At the top of this dome, you said it's groups of about 8 to 10 go up. Is it only one group at a time?
1: It's big enough for two or three groups, which is nice. They do a good job of filtering in and out and all the tour guides know each other pretty much so they do a good job of working with each other and how much time you get to spend up there and they give enough information where they let you walk around the top another positive of having the headset is you can still hear them talking while you're moving around they may not be in your eyesight you may not be in their eyesight you can still hear the information that they're giving you
0: is there a set amount of time that you're allowed to be up there and then they say okay guys we have to go
1: There is. They have a certain amount of time. The tour guide keeps track of that. 20 minutes is a long time to be up there and really take everything in. It gives you more than enough time to be up there and really enjoy the view. I actually think our tour guide gave us a little extra time. He might have gotten in a little bit of trouble for it, but he seemed like a veteran, so he wasn't too shook by it.
0: What's your highlight, best part of the trip?
1: I would have to say the best part of the trip, for Florence was climbing Il Duomo. There was nothing like it.
0: Something you wish you did differently?
1: There are a few things, which is part of the learning process of traveling. And I know I mentioned them, but I'll say it again, making sure that you don't book tours or tickets on a day of travel. That made us miss the David, essentially. And another thing is making sure that if you do book a car, you get it at the appropriate time because we got into Florence on a Friday. We're supposed to pick the car up that day, but I wanted to push to go see the David and ended up not picking up the car. Well, the next day we had our tour scheduled already and the car place closed at 12. Our tours didn't end until one. So the car that I rented would not be available for us. I had to find a different Hertz and they were able to transfer my rental from this specific Hertz to the Hertz that I went to and I was able to get the car. But because of that debacle and because I did not stick to my own made schedule, Ended up missing the Basilica di Santa Croce, which holds the burial places of Michelangelo, Galileo, Machiavelli. And that's something that I'll learn from as I
0: go forward. So it sounds like you have two major destinations in Florence that you missed out on, the David. And the Basilica di Santa Croce. So you're going to have to plan another trip.
1: I would love to go back to Florence. If I planned another trip, I would go to Il Duomo. I would climb it again. And I would put the David and Santa Croce at the top of my list this time.
0: Any parting words for our aspiring travelers? Biggest thing is make sure
1: you're prepared. Make sure you know what you want to see and go and see it understand that even though you have an itinerary, not everything is set in stone. You may have it written down that you are going to see it and you might not actually end up seeing it. And you have to live with that. You have to be okay with that. Just because you have a time schedule for everything doesn't mean it's going to work out. And you kind of have to just accept that. And whatever you see, you see. And whatever you don't, plan for next time.
0: Thanks for joining us on our pilot episode. Go see places around you. Explore things. and. Create adventures for yourself.
1: We understand during this moment in our lives the COVID-19 has made us stuck in this situation, but we do have other options to go experience culture. James and I came across online experiences through Airbnb, which... I would suggest all of you to go check out. If you want something related to Florence, you can go on to the Airbnb app or the Airbnb website, and you can take an escape the room tour of the Medici's with an Italian guide. So that is something that you can do right now in your home that can help transport you to Florence and enjoy Florence.
0: And it's super cheap. All you need is a device for you to stream with. And it's about an hour long. You can have a group size of up to eight people and it's about $11 a person. Thank you for listening to Inspire Beyond Borders. If you would like more information regarding this trip, please visit our Twitter and Instagram accounts at ibbpod. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.